We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. Once again, covering the NBA Finals. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, maiden journey on our program. You've seen him all over Heat Mediasphere. You've seen him ask. You see Spo loving him in the press conferences. You see him holding people accountable, unlike Alex Toledo. You've seen him on Hangover Time on Live on the Floor. Brady Hawk of five reasons sports and five on the floor welcome to the show man appreciate you having me on I've, you, you said it i've been through a couple of these so i don't think we've we've done one of these yet we haven't and it's not, what what better time brady than to cover the nba finals one that we were saying before i i can't i still can't believe we're here no i i can't believe it either i was we were just talking about it. i was like uh me and Alex were talking about after the playing game. We're like, we just want to cover one playoff series. So we might get two games in us in this Milwaukee series. And everybody's saying it's going to be a sweep. And here we are about to cover the NBA finals. Like none of this makes sense. Everybody's saying that, uh, but man, like this is literally just being able to live the kind of the bubble, but like in a real world sense, like this is literally just reliving the bubble, but just with a bunch of fans. And reliving the bubble when they were also a low seed. They were the five seed in the bubble, right. partly because they, they they totally gave up a game at the end against Indiana because it didn't matter. Four or five you know, in, in the bubble didn't matter. But, man, we're here. Chad is saying that I skipped a rent payment to get Brady in here. I, excuse me. Excuse you people. A mortgage payment. I'm an adult. Okay? How, how about that, chat? They're all happy to see you. Brady, before we get into Heat Nuggets, so we're going to preview the offensive side of the ball for Miami and what how the Heat are going to attack Denver. Uh, on on offense, let's. I want to go through the last two games of this series and really how we got here. Brady, I was talking to I was talking to Rohan and Cardio Sports Illustrated and Ryan Cortez of Metal Arc uh, along with Alf, and we, we were having a little group chat. And I asked him, I go, "Is this the biggest non-final game outside of Game Six at Boston?" This is referring to Game Six in Miami that they lost. And I asked again the question for game seven and they're like yeah and nothing comes close because you have the weight of history bearing down on you where if they lose this series after being up 3-0 it almost i think it does not it not almost it does undo 
every single ounce of goodwill that you had brought in this magical run. Brady, you're there. You're in the building in game six. Derek White shot goes in. You are like, do you even know that it counts? What's going on? What's happening in media row? So for full transparency, me and Alex have our kind of our own little table behind the basket up at the top of the other level. We're just in this weird spot. Uh, so at, we're I'm behind the basket where it happens. And to be honest with you, I see Marcus Smart shot go up and I see it kind of rattle out. And I thought the I thought the heat won. I literally have a video on my phone of the play uh, where I zoom out to like show the crowd because I literally did not see the tip in when it first happened. And then all of a sudden everybody stopped and I'm like, so is this was there a foul on the floor? What's going on here? And then they show the on the Jumbotron, and I'm like, it was just kind of just stunned. Like it was pretty much just everybody was just shocked. Uh, and that's why the topic for the next 48 hours was how do you recover from this? like mentally. Uh, and the one thing I come back to is like, as you talk about kind of the big games and everything, I haven't seen a group and I'm not even going to say a group as a whole. I'm going to focus on the role players because usually role players are the guys that can be up and down. I've never seen a more mentally stable group of role players uh, just in my time watching basketball. I just haven't like just watching the way that they come in and the confidence that they have, the the swagger they come in as an eight seed with the, the, the when they walk around in general, like they don't feel like they are, Role players, even Jimmy last night. Look at when he got asked about his role players. He said they're not role players; they're my teammates. They're my teammates. Like he, this is literally what <laughs> he was talking about. And it's uh, to your point about these big games. It really was. And the other thing about it was, I don't know if you saw the clip of Spo in the locker room last night, where he was talking about uh, this is something that me and UD have never done. We've never won a game seven on the road. So to talk about a big game That's like this, so true. It, it's it's as big as possible when you just talk about a, a game of just this magnitude it's an insane thing to do because as much as we talk about that game six like this is like the confidence is back in boston they feel like they have the game kind of the, the series back under control and then you see what happens and the way i literally said and this is the one i said he'd seven before the series but before the game seven i said this is probably going to go one of two ways in my mind either boston blows the doors off miami or jimmy butler kind of has total control over the game and miami wins neither really happened neither neither, <laughs> neither happened did. It, I was like, I don't see an in-between. It was literally in-between because it was mostly Miami blowing the doors off, and it wasn't Jimmy Butler. So we can't. Th this whole theme of this season is you cannot predict anything. I want to bring in Christian Hernandez, who I – listen, full disclosure, I was supposed to send him the link. I, I forgot. I was preparing for Brady. Chris, what's up, man? I, I don't blame you for being distracted. It's cool. Listen, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was distracted because we're talking about just really before we kind of get into the finals, just really – soaking in the moment of what they accomplished coming in because truly like Brady and I were saying, we can't believe that we're in this position that Derek White goes in all that stuff. And then to come out in game seven and Brady to your point about the, the swagger, the, like it's not just that it's, it's Caleb Martin, like against Milwaukee doing the, the face thing to yes. the crowd. It's Duncan Robinson cupping his hand to his ear to the Feeling quiet Celtic crowd, the most quiet I've ever heard TD Garden. And I watched game six, Le what LeBron did to them. That place, everybody was saying pregame, this is the loudest I've ever heard this building. Every Everybody who was there was on record of being like, this is crazy. And they went in there and they silenced that crowd. And I want to credit a lot of the media right now. Nobody's making the Tatum ankle excuse or anything because, and honestly, like that's an unfortunate thing to happen to Boston. Jimmy Butler, Brady, I'm sure you know, he is not playing healthy. 
he doesn't appear to be. I mean, <laughs> like he's, he, no. he and Bam were struggling with injuries throughout these playoffs, and like nobody's a hundred percent. For sure. I mean, we don't know what it is, and he's. We'll never know if he really is hurt or not because he won't say the team won't say people around him will never say so we will never know anything especially him because he's going to keep everything he, to himself he does in not this. feign weakness he he's the guy that's going to go on the podium and say he's not going to give the failure speech like he is literally going to put everything on himself uh so yeah we don't know and i thought ideally before this all happened i mean being in this situation i don't really even care to talk about it but the fact that they could have had extra days of rest i thought was going to be important heading into a finals then they get put in this situation where everybody loses all hope. And then they're in here anyway. Uh, now I guess you can make the case that a team like Denver, before I'm not looking ahead here to get, for the future segment, but the <laughs> the fact that they they have this amount of rest could not maybe not be as positive as you may think. Like it's sitting home all this time. Miami's a little bit of a rhythm. I just thought for Jimmy specifically, he needed a little bit of rest to kind of find a rhythm, uh, kind of get that whatever it is, the problem is right. Uh, but who knows? I, I, there was not – his best four games stretch, I thought. Like that, those all of those games, I did not think he played his best basketball. Part of it we could sit here and say uh, was possible injury. But look, we have to give credit to Boston because I thought they completely flattened him out. Like I, I thought they found counters to him uh, that we just haven't seen in the playoffs in, in recent times. So they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, and then that's where we get it, I guess, to Denver because I don't think I, we're going to see a team like that where they have the exact counters that Boston had. Uh, Brian Gwent in chat said that Ethan reported that Jimmy is not dealing with anything new or severe. So I guess I guess that's good news. Christian, before we transition into um into into finals preview, any any closing thoughts on this mystic run that was equal parts magical, disastrous, and everything in between as they are on the cusp of sweeping the team that everyone predicted preseason was going to make the finals to at the brink of history to the point that I I, I, I tweeted out before that game. I said, sometimes the, the weight of history wears heavier than the crown. Any parting thoughts on, on what the fuck happened before we get into the finals preview? Yeah. I mean, I, I was on hangover time last night. I don't even know what the hell I said because I was still in a state of shock, honestly. Um, I mean, I guess I would say that the series against the Celtics really kind of felt like a microcosm of this whole season, uh, just in terms of it being a fucking roller coaster and your emotions, you know, going wildly from one direction to the next. You know, we went from being literally probably the ultimate form of cocky Heat fan after game three to, I mean, you can ask, you can ask Leslie the next time you see her, Gianni. I was not in a good mood yesterday. I was not at sea. I, I, so I, we started that game. I didn't say a word the oh, entire first half. There were points that Leslie literally went to me and she's like, what's wrong with you? Are you even enjoying this? Like, your team's up. I'm like, I am not ready to have any kind of emotion yet. Like, and it was, I, I think that speaks to how impactful as a fan game six was you know brady said it real well he and everyone else thought it was over we all thought it was over i mean i i i was watching it at a bar in boston and 
you know, my initial reaction was I put my arms up, but I never celebrated because I think in my subconscious knew that they got that in before the buzzer. And then you see that replay. I just walked, I walked out of the bar and then eight seconds later when everyone else processes it, everybody's going crazy. You know, it was, it was the ultimate ride of emotion. I don't even know how analytical I can get about this series because like, and then, and then look what happens in game seven. And, and honestly, I, I feel for Leslie and because she, she thinks that it was like the ultimate letdown watching Jason Tatum turn his ankle on the first play of the game in game seven. You don't know what that game looks like if that doesn't happen. A bit maybe fortuitous for the Heat. I don't know. Like, you know, were, the, were they always going to miss all those threes and really have no answer for not having, you know, any real offense outside of hitting the three-point shot? I don't know. Like, does Tatum become a difference maker if he's healthy? Who knows? But at the end of the day, that is, thank God the Heat went up 3-0 because they had that leniency to really have three really borderline awful games given the context from your two big stars and then they show up just in time. So, like, quick quick point before we move on. Credit to Spo for, for switching everything. That was really what got Boston's offense in the mud. Bam with one of, I think, his best defensive performances in the playoffs I've ever seen. He was everywhere guarding multiple guys in possessions. Miami zone, obviously a weapon for them all season. I'll post season. Oh, Gianni, before before I miss this, because I do want to ask Brady this, because I feel like I already asked you this. Brady, what were your thoughts on Zeller getting minutes in game six over Highsmith? I mean, the box score, I think, answer, <laughs> answered that for you. When you see two minutes minus seven, like that was that was a Dwayne Dedman <laughs> level we performance. Were <laughs> that, was, that was like, uh, which Miami still needs to get him a ring, obviously. That's what this is all for. But uh, no, I don't I don't understand don't, that don't at all. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't understand it, to be honest. It, it, if you're going to put a guy in to play two to four minutes in a stretch, which is one of the hardest roles in basketball, but if you're going to do it in this matchup, put, let it be a guy that's going to go up there and mess things up defensively on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I thought that was the answer all along. It felt like social media and the Heat fan base thought that was the answer all along. We've been screaming Highsmith at the five. This was like the one thing I felt like there was unity across the entire <laughs> fan base. We finally about. agreed on something, and it was <laughs> Haywood Highsmith. It's Spo waits till game seven in his back pocket to pull that out. And if if they're putting Haywood Highsmith in, they're playing zone almost always. So then we see the zone roll out around the same time again that second quarter. And to your point, that was the big thing in that game. I you mentioned Bam having an all time kind of defensive game. I thought that was an outstanding. You mentioned it, but Spo defensive game. I thought he mm-hmm. came out and coached circles around them. The way he came out with the the soft switching to start, uh, the fact that you mentioned the Tatum rolling his ankle. Like, yeah, we don't know. We can't really uh, totally like think about that because Miami's never getting the benefit of the doubt with their injuries in the past in big games. So we're not giving nope. other teams the benefit of the doubt either. That's how this uh, goes. It's a survival game as much as it is a basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. But the defensive stuff they were able to do with Tatum standing in the corner, they flattened them out. They made them kind of play, uh, make passes inside on mismatches, and they got turnovers, and everything kind of ran from there. So I just thought to kind of put a bow on the Boston thing, I just felt like there was – you mentioned it. It literally felt like a summary of their entire Heat season. I said it the morning of Game (laughs) game 7 where I said to myself, it literally – whatever happens tonight, this perfectly summarizes everything. Either a team that got so hot just – chokes and loses four straight which we probably could have seen coming from what we watched this season or a team trolls around loses three straight goes into a game seven in boston where nobody's giving them a chance 
and they go out and win. So like Off either the role players. Exactly. No, like, I'm, I'm glad Brady used the specific word trolled their way through this season because that's what it's fucking felt like. Jimmy Butler's trolled his way to a finals. I said that last night on our, <laughs> our post-game show. I, I really believe that. Just if go from start by media day with and the, watch yeah, what he with, did and walked in with, then roll into the season and watch what he did throughout the season and then just the, go through the playoff logs. It's literally just – we can talk about the stuff off the floor as a troll. He is an on-court troll. My goat. My goat. I You know, to, to, to really put a bow on it, I, I was so in distress yesterday. I went paddle boarding, and I just I, – I went into the middle of Key Biscayne by the mangroves where there's nobody there. I just sat in the water and looked at the horizon for an hour. Swear to God. I, I just <laughs> needed to get away from my phone. And, and I just sat there. a great scene for the movie. Dude, Gianni. I literally <laughs> sat on the board and I just stared at the horizon. I head empty, no thoughts. And then I was it's like, oh, time to go. <laughs> Got to go cover the game. And I, I paddled my way to shore and I came and, 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 and I didn't say a word pretty much from the whole drive home. Uh, up until Highsmith got the steal and dunk, I yelled, fuck yeah, as I clapped. And I don't think I said another word for another hour. But moving to the NBA Finals and Miami's offense. Brady, start with you, man. So I've watched a lot of Denver-Miami film, which is really funny because in their most recent matchup, uh, Bouye played, Highsmith played, and Orlando Robinson played, and they were all on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Um Denver started people that I forgot existed. I I forgot Ish Smith is a Denver Nugget. Oh God! And he played in that game. Um, their most recent game, Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray did not play. But uh, he doesn't play, right? Thomas, huh? He doesn't play, right? Who? Ish Smith. No. Well, he did oh, for God, them earlier God. in the season, but not not now. I still have nightmares from that. I forgot season. Brady. I forgot <laughs> DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. was a Denver Nugget, I, and, and I forgot Thomas Bryant was a Denver Nugget, who I heard today oh, yeah. in practice is is uh, is replicating Bam. So I don't mm -hmm. know, I don't whatever that means. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Adam Mares said it uh, on his really? podcast today. So looking, looking back to their December matchup, more of the guys played. This was in Denver. Jimmy played, Tyler played, all that stuff. We'll get into Tyler's potential impact later, but – Brady, we got to start with the Aaron Gordon-Jimmy Butler matchup because a lot of things have been said about Gordon doing a good job on Jimmy. He's the kind of big wing that does slow him down. We know the matchup numbers. They've been pretty public on Twitter. But to me, I think one of the key battlegrounds is how is Denver going to defend Jimmy with their guards? Because what Miami does when they put Gordon on him is bring up Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry to screen for Jimmy. And like Bones Highland, who is also not a Denver Nugget anymore, would really show hard on the pick and roll. Uh, sometimes they'd use Jimmy as a handoff man for Duncan and then slip to the basket because they'll send two at Duncan and they'll get Jimmy moving that way. Brady. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I'm Miami, I think you see that Bruce Brown and KCP and all those guards and, and Murray cannot guard Jimmy. And I think you have to mismatch Hunt as often and as hard as you can. The question is, I guess, are they going to be willing to give up those switches? I feel yes. like that's the original key we're going to see in game one. If they're not, you mentioned kind of the, some of the ways that they've been, gone about it. Uh, number one, I think in, in terms of they can do the guard screening, but something they've been able to give up is the off-ball screening. Uh, we've seen that a ton where they've been able to kind of off-ball screen and they'll give up a Jamal Murray switch on Jimmy. Uh, and then all of a sudden now Jamal Murray's playing rim protector or they can work it to Jimmy and he can play in the mid to low post. So there, there's that element that's always going to be there. That it feels like there's that's always their fallback plan when, when there's nothing else working. You mentioned the, the biggest thing I thought you mentioned is something I put on Twitter today is I feel like there's one element to the offense that we haven't seen a lot that is going to be utilized more than anything, and it's Jimmy Butler as a roller. I think there's an opening there in the series. I think it comes down to they're going to work everything through a lot of the time through their shooters and, and with either it's Max, if it's Tyler returning, if it's Duncan, probably specifically is probably the smoothest one to run it with. Yeah. Uh, if you can get two on the ball with a shooter, I think that opens up everything. And it starts with, I know you mentioned Jimmy, it starts with Bam. If Bam, and I know we'll get to him, but the four on threes with him is what's going to open up everything originally. Jimmy, you may not get as many four on threes possibly because he's going to be slipping and it's going to be kind of, it's more so to let him operate around the rim with the lack of rim protection that Denver has and kind of make quicker decisions and not have to uh, kind of ISO an Aaron Gordon or kind of have to fall in love with the pull-up every single time. I just think it's a different way to get him new looks. So I think that's going to be an interesting wrinkle that they can mix in. Uh, but it's there's a lot of things I feel like they can do with it. And the one thing, and I know this is another thing we're probably going to get into a ton with this matchup, uh, you have to manipulate Jokic and pick and roll, as we know. Like That is the number one thing that you have to get to. You have to get him moving. You cannot let him be stationary. and, and You have to let him just kind of, for one, get some energy out. <laughs> like Make him work defensively in general to try to tire him out. But two, it's, it's one of your best looks offensively. So I think there's certain things you can get to. Uh, I, let's go back to the Boston series for one second. I thought the downfall of that series was literally going to be the Jimmy Butler Pam pick and roll. That was literally going to be the collapse of the Miami Heat's offense because every single pick and roll was a switch. Bam wasn't doing much with the smaller defender on him. Horford he was not going to post up or be, or be effective. Right. And then Horford switching out was totally, or Rob Williams, was kind of just flattening out Jimmy. Mm -hmm. um, so now we fast forward to the NBA Finals, and I think it's the exact opposite. It's the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo pick and roll can save their offense in the series because there's, there's certain things they can get to. You mentioned the Aaron Gordon thing. Make him work. Make him choose. If he has to go start going under, Jimmy's going to be kind of fall in love with the pull-up. If they can find different things, empty corner, I think, is going to be a big kind of reliable asset they can go to. Just kind of go to that Jimmy Bam empty corner, see if Jimmy can get to that baseline a little bit, see if Jokic is going to play uh, deep drop, which I don't expect. He's going to play closer to the screen. Uh, and then now Jimmy can make those pocket passes and work four on threes from there. So there's so many different elements to it. They have more versatility than I – like, I remember literally talking throughout the playoff from last year. I don't remember them having as much versatility just because – and I don't even mean to say it, but the swap for Caleb Martin B.J. Tucker <laughs> really just gives them so much more offensive Brady, versatility. A healthy Caleb Martin because I don't think people remember the Achilles injury yeah, last yeah. season stunted his athleticism to the point that he was not making plays above the rim. That – he mm -hmm. looks springy and, him, and his pre-injury self again. And his shot is is – different than obviously last it's not season. a pretty shot in, 
but it it's not i don't care it, it, it works. Goes in. It's, it's pretty efficient i'll tell you that much it has like a little it still has like mechanical it's problems like, it looks like, like, like when he, to it. I, it, it is a hitch it, that's the word yeah it's, and it's a line drive too but he hits that thing at a pretty and he good doesn't get blocked end. which is crazy because yeah. it looks a little flat but if he has that foot on the line though let me just tell you that's that that's a bucket right did there. Hear, that's all I'll say. Did Every you see time. his quote? He's like, "I must be shooting hundred percent with my foot on the line." I Every was like, "Caleb, time. if you only knew what he Twitter was saying about foot on the line, Man. Caleb." That's Michael Jordan. <laughs> Seriously, bro. Like, dude, if they're down one point and they need a basket, the play has to be a toe on the line, Caleb uh, jumper. <laughs> it's like, like, it's, it's gotta so be the automatic. Play. <laughs> my, my favorite part about it is how he looks down at his feet. And that he still has his foot on the line. That's my favorite part about it. Like he, he literally does it all the time. He'll look down, and I'm like, okay, he's this one's gonna be a three. And then all of a sudden, I see the ref putting the two two fingers up. So I don't know. But they, I know you'll get into this too. But he's another guy. In, in I literally said this. I think starting in the second round, I said, I feel like every series we could say Caleb Martin's the X factor. We could say that last season. We no longer could say that. He's up. He is literally graduated from big the big three, factor, baby. Right? <laughs> Possibly. But the, he's not an X factor anymore. And we, if you have to say every single series, and we said it in the Bucks, the Knicks, the Celtics, and now the Nuggets, he's not an X factor in every series. He's just who he is. So uh, he's, he's gonna be big in this series, though. Christian, I I actually think one of the the so one of the pillars of their offense that I think is gonna be important. And Caleb did not play well in the game in Miami against Denver. Looked missed a lot of his shots. Did not look like the Caleb Martin we're seeing today, baby. But mm -hmm. I do think something that they can get going is Caleb being a screener for Jimmy and whoever doesn't have Aaron Gordon gets gets to run offense, you know, with then Bam. So you can kind of have Bam second. You run the initial screen, uh, Caleb or Jimmy screening for each other. If they force the switch, you know, the other guy, you know, whoever, you know, you can kind of move Aaron Gordon off off of your side, which they did. Brady, you kind of mentioned it. They'll they'll like. Uh, there was a play that I tweeted where Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler run a pick and roll, but it's mainly mm -hmm. to get the Aaron Gordon switch onto Lowry to then kind of flip the ball to Bam, and then Tyler curls off the corner, and they run an empty corner pick and roll, and it's Jokic in space, and he can't stay in front of Bam. And I think that has been clear in it's every matchup that they've had. And then what they do is Jimmy cuts middle. So now Jamal Murray is forced to be the low man, and he's too small. And that's an easy dump pass to Bant, to Jimmy anyway, or an offensive rebound with smaller guys around him. So I actually think, Christian, Miami's going to have a very easy time scoring in this series, which is funny to say about a team that I think we lamented their offense all year. But with the way that at the level that they've been playing and with the amount of options that they have, given that Denver's help, it's not very potent. They don't have a lot of big. They, it's funny because Jokic is big and Aaron Gordon's big. Jamal Murray is not that good a help defender. You know, Michael Porter is a much improved on-ball defender. I still think he lacks some off-ball stuff that, that I think we'll see a lot of this series. Um, you know, Bruce Brown, smaller guy. I actually think that Miami's going to be very – it's going to be a nice series for them to score, which is kind of funny to say. Yeah. I mean, I think what makes Denver tough is, you know, you've got uh, most of the guys on the court that play for Denver – are either like sturdy defenders or have length, you know, ap apart from Jamal Murray. But I would argue that Jamal Murray has a pretty good defensive IQ for somebody his size. You know, he, he still makes plays defensively. Sure, he can get picked on, you know, especially if you get the right matchup. 
but and I feel like the Heat should be looking at going after him, especially early on to see if they can get something going. But I mean, you guys, this series revolves around Jokic. You know, let's let's not sugarcoat it. And you guys brought up a great point. You know, I feel like the best chance you do have at beating Denver is to wear him down. You know, and I, I'm not going to lie, watching that Lakers series, I was super impressed by his conditioning. He he's got much better conditioning than honestly I gave him credit do you for. Do not remember that? Fajillion overtime game against uh, Portland. Uh, was they went, the they had like what, Barry, what was it? Five overtimes in a playoff game where Jokic was somehow not the most tired person on the floor. It was David. Oh, so, oh, this was before. Yes. Yeah, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't remember that specific game. But yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely grown a deeper appreciation for the level the level of endurance that he really has. So I think that's a huge factor too. So honestly, I want to kick it back to you guys because, you know, you guys, you know, know the X's and O's a lot better than I do. What are your thoughts on Kevin Love in this series? Because I think that is a, you guys, if you want to get Jokic in the pick and roll, then I think you really want to have Bam as your biggest player out there, which kind of forces Denver's hand a little bit, especially if you're going to seek out, you know, Jimmy Bam, Duncan Bam, PNRs. So what, where do you guys think, you know, Kevin Love fits in in this series? Brady, I'll let you go first. I, I, I'm really interested to see what you think. So I know this is the offensive episode, but I think it's more so what they can do defensively with Kevin Love. And that's also the different things. When I talk about lineup and kind of scheme versatility, I think there's ways and not to, once again, not to throw off to the, the next topic for the next one, but. Uh, throwing a little bit of Kevin Love at Jokic and let Bam be the helper. Like, that's some things that they can mix in. And the question becomes is, can they make him pay offensively? Because there's things that they did against Boston where uh, the question was, can he make Marcus Smart pay? Or wh- whatever the small defender they put on him because they were just kind of going with smaller lineups. The answer was this no. Is not a, yeah, like, <laughs> and this is not a smaller lineup. So are you going to be able to find the same – type of openings i'm not sure like I, I i do think there's a role for kevin love definitely in this series uh i still think he could be a little bit of backup five especially because aaron gordon essentially is their backup five if i'm not yeah. mistaken it's a little bit of jeff mm-hmm. green and aaron gordon i think they classify aaron gordon as the five so yeah you can do that the question is i think miami could get greedy eventually at least and say hey would i spend our backup five i mean dude you, you got aaron gordon as a five i don't see why you can't throw out haywood i a hundred percent switch everything yeah if I, or or and that's actually a lineup that you can sink into your zone with when Jokic is off mm-hmm. the floor not again not to get too much into their defense stuff but but yeah. you know and, and that allows you to, to pivot offense you could play a lot of duncan robinson in those lineups and you could just have him and lowry he and lowry have been fantastic together in the mm-hmm. postseason, I think that there's synergy off off Duncan's cuts and just Duncan's very has very good hands. You know, not to not to bring up the H word, but he reminds me of Hassan Whiteside. Very good hands. You know, uh, very. He looks steady. like a dude with that block on Brown. Brady, dude. was that his first block of the season? I saw that on yes, Twitter. It was. Is that it true? Was. It was. That's so what, funny. That, I saw the same thing, and I. I there's two things he doesn't do. It's block or offensive rebound. I saw like the neither he always has zeros in on his seasons with those two stats. The fact that it came in a game seven in Boston Look is hilarious. Against Jalen Brown, one of the most what, athletic wings in the league. What is more real? Playoff Jimmy or playoff Duncan? <laughs> playoff Duncan's legit because he turns into a defender all of a sudden. I have not watched many possessions where I felt like he hasn't like held his own for like 
multiple possessions in he a row. Gets, like he's done a decent job. He does not get the benefit of calls because why would he? Because he's Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think they get him for some ticky tacks that I don't think he deserved. And he's handsy though. He's handsy. He's sometimes. handsy. He defends with his hands. I think he's gotten better at that. But he does get pushed off with like with the off arm. But because he's so skinny. <laughs> I think players like Tatum was good at this, disguising it as body contact, but it was really like a like a little chicken wing to get Duncan off. Um, you know, it was it was it was pretty funny. But man, Brady, I I honestly don't think it's a Kevin Love series. And I think for everything that that you kind of outlined, and I think because when they go small, I think we might see him as backup five a little bit. I think mm-hmm. they may try they may try that for stints because I don't think Spo is super comfortable. With with Highsmith like playing a lot of minutes, I think him at the five is interesting. They'll try it and they'll see. Um, I just worry about again Love surviving a pick and roll against Jamal Murray, but on but on yeah. offense, they you know against Gordon, you know Gordon's going to be able to they're going to be able to switch stuff, and so I don't think they'll get as much on pick and pop kind of situations and and I don't know if they'll have enough off ball. I mean maybe they can force a switch like get Gordon out of a play if you run like kind of kind of a handoff or, or they'll send two at the ball kind of like what we talked about Jimmy. But you know offensively I, I just I, I imagine Zeller playing as as a backup five probably more. I know that that's like kind of taboo at this point. Um I just expose a creature of habit and he's gonna kinda stick to what he knows. I think they'll they'll come out I guess, by the way, who do you think starting? Do you think they're just going to start the Caleb Martin starting lineup? Yeah, I do. I, I think at this point you have to put your best five players on the floor to start. And I, I've literally I've had this conversation before, and I think it's coming to fruition now. The thing where Caleb Martin plays better off the bench, I just don't believe it's true. I just think he's just good. No, like, yeah, I think we've passed that. We're, we're, we, we've graduated. We have. Kenny and Spence the other is thing, right. To your, to your point about the, the back of five stuff, the other question is – so, like, they mirrored minutes with certain guys throughout the run, but obviously they faced a lot of wings. How are they going to mirror rotations if – if are they just going to keep Bam on, and Jokic on the floor at the same time? Because they do things, obviously, with Bam coming out earlier than, than Jimmy. Jimmy plays the entire first quarter. I'd have to look into it, but I don't really remember Jokic's minutes distribution. If I don't know if he plays the whole first quarter like Jimmy or if he comes out early, but that's another thing to monitor because I wonder if Spo – adjust early in the series to say we're just going to keep him on the floor so then we can do the Highsmith thing or even the love thing to match and go into the zone and stuff so it's it's weird because look you once again I don't mean to go into defense but like the zone you cannot go into zone when you're <laughs> is on the floor you just can't so you have to find ways to mirror rotations in a way Christian I think that they I think being on the road for these two games is actually a disguised benefit because I think the pressure's off you a little bit, and they can experiment with a few things without mm-hmm. having to lose a home game doing so, especially in that game one. So I think Brady's right that that is going to be an interesting thing to see. I imagine that Spo's going to try to match Jokic's rest pattern with Bam. Um, you know, it just it just makes sense, you know. And, yeah. and I think they may pivot to like, hey, when Jokic is on and Bam is off, they may like try to bludgeon them offensively with as much shooting as possible and be like, we're going to put you in so many handoffs and so many pick and rolls that you're not going to know what hit you. And I think that if that's the case for love, then he's all of a sudden he's the hub and the handoff hub and put force him to come out. And I think that if you can get free throws out of those things, because what we kind of saw in the Celtic series was, you know, Duncan is still a fire drill off a screen. 
and mm-hmm. he's a great mover. And I don't think that Denver's guys, other than KCP, do a particularly great job of getting over screens. I think that they were caught pretty regularly. Like when I was watching, again, regular season film is regular season film, but you know they're they've been a different defensive team in the playoffs, of course. But you know, I think KCP's kind of proven that he's a very good screen navigator. And if they can get two on the ball and they can get a guy going downhill, they can collapse defenses pretty easy. I think you saw Jimmy do that regularly in the regular season. And if you get free throws, you can set your defense. You can have Gabe Vincent get his steps in, as we know Spo loves to make him do. You can full court press and harass, and they love doing all that stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested in what they can do on offense when Bam sits and they just go all in on shooting. Uh, definitely. Um, especially, you know, and especially when, when Jokic sits, those are going to be super crucial minutes because, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm going back to the defensive side a little bit here, but the, the real problem with them is that they got four guys that are basically playing like snipers right now at any one moment on the court. You know, you're basically looking at, you got Aaron Gordon, who's an okay shooter, and you're going to have Bruce Brown minutes, again, an okay shooter. And those are the guys that you're going to really want to try to funnel a lot of the action to because, I mean, it's all the other guys that were just absolutely destroying the Lakers. You you give Jokic a little bit too much attention, you know, and Murray starts getting loose, you know, and you start giving Murray a little too much attention, they start kicking it out, and you got Porter and Caldwell Pope that are just there, and they're, you know, I mean, Caldwell Pope especially is a veteran. You know, he's a well-rounded player. He's a champion. You know, he we literally faced him in the finals a few years ago. Um, and Michael Porter Jr., he's someone that I'm, I, I'm interested to see if the Heat attack him because I don't think he's the mental, you know, the strongest guy mentally. He's young still. You know, he's definitely shown times that he can get a little fluttered and – you know, he is a black hole too. So he's a guy that I think the Heat might try to funnel a lot into him and AG and see if you can live with that, you know? Um, I think the Heat are going to be super active defensively. I think they're going to be trying everything in their power to get the ball out of Jokic and Murray's hands. But then you just got to wonder, are you going to get exhausted? Are you going to, you know, run yourself out, especially in the altitude? You know, I'm, I'm super interested. Game one's going to be fascinating for me. I think it's the perfect opportunity for Spo to try some shit, Spoh you know nobody, shit. no nobody's expecting you to win that game. So seriously, said then they get game one. Too. I know, right? They've literally won every single game one. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep saying that they don't need. Did they one. do I that feel like last that's what playoff I'm... run too? Didn't they win every game one? Well, it was different because they were at home to me. Were, like this yeah. is yeah, like, that's very they're just, true. They're going into these. I believe in the buildings. bubble as well, right? They won every game one in the bubble too. Yeah. Except the finals. Except the finals. Except right. the finals. That's all. Well, because, yeah, because Gogi and Bam went down. Um, quick note on Jokic in the playoffs. Uh, Jokic on plus nine net rating. Jokic off plus three net rating. So they're still good. Important to note, the defense with Jokic off is at 104. The defense with Jokic on is at almost 115. So that mm-hmm. is actually the offense goes the other way. 107, uh, almost 108. Pretty bad with Jokic off and 124 with Jokic. I mean, dude, that's the thing. This guy is what? got 50. That's he's got, fucking crazy, dude. Bro, 54, 48, 78 shooting splits on an average triple double. This guy is just a walking nightmare. They're he's shooting 39% nightmare. from three in minutes that Jokic plays. It's absolutely insane. 55, I mean, two. 
the 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 Heat have to really hope because I especially with the way that he was playing against the Lakers, there was not much you could do about it. If Jamal Murray is fucking cooking for mid range, yeah. you're in deep fucking trouble. Like I think going out is important. I agree. As much as Jokic, I think going at Murray, like the Lakers were very aggressive in putting Murray in pick and rolls, and you know. They have they have shaky they have shaky weak points. Brady, it's a weird final series because you go from a team like like Milwaukee and Boston, who it's like there are very few, if any, weak points to attack. Like Derek White is a weak point on Boston's defense, and you saw yeah. that that wasn't always such a weak point for their defense. And mm-hmm. against Milwaukee, Drew Holiday is like, okay, well, I guess we're going at Drew Holiday, which is like, what the fuck? Denver is the opposite. They they have a lot of like it's like a it's like a pick'em of well where where do we want to go now, uh you know on offense and it's just funny because what's waiting on you at the other end is 124 offensive rating in 583 minutes. And you mentioned the Milwaukee series, and that's why I think it's important is is not only do you have the ability to hunt certain guys, but like we also have to talk about the fact for one. These are the two best three-point shooting teams in the playoffs. And the fact that <laughs> you have to be able to shoot well, mm-hmm. it's not. You have to be able to shoot well to, to make it to this le- to this point in the season. Uh, but the pull-up shooting, we think back to that season that we want to forget about, the Milwaukee series where they got swept. We said before that series, the whole talk was that you're going to have the pull-up shots, you're going to have the mid-range pull-ups, you just have to hit them. Goran, Nunn, Tyler did not hit them, and they got swept. That's just what happens when when you have an opening in a, in a defense and you can't take advantage of it. There's not much else you can go to. Hmm. You look at the Milwaukee series this year in the first round. Pull-up shooting. Uh, it doesn't even matter that Drew Holiday was hedging those screens and kind of trailing uh, Jimmy Butler or whoever. They were just hitting pull-up shots. And then now we get to a point where there's no Drew Holiday. The guy that's in the deep drop is not Brooke Lopez. So this is something that they're familiar with, that the shots they feel comfortable with. Uh, and that's why I think it, it's a good thing in terms of you want your best player to be comfortable. And, you know, we talk about Jokic is always going to be comfortable, it feels like. But this feels like a series, other than the, the altitude we could talk about, but specifically with matchups, like he, Jimmy's going to be comfortable. He has he, – there's a lack of rim protection. The pull-up shots are going to be there. He's I guess they can throw certain matchups on him to flatten him out, but it's, it's going to be hard. Like I, as much as you say Aaron Gordon, like I just still feel like, to your point, they have other outlets they can get to. So the offense, I'm not worried about. It's it's more so the other side of the floor where they have to be really creative and Spo has to really put on uh, just a full master class, it feels like. But offensively, there's certain things. Which he can um, do. He can. And then the other thing about the offense, I will say, uh, we talked about Caleb Martin before and kind of different things that Denver is going to do. We talk about the, the guy you're going to help off of for Miami. Uh, you're going to help off Varen Gordon types you were mentioning and, and stuff like that or Bruce Brown types. Miami is Caleb Martin's still going to be helped off of like that is still where they're going to be. They're going to have Caleb Martin in the corner at times. Aaron Gordon's probably going to be on him at times. I think as much as you say, Aaron Gordon on Jimmy, I see Aaron Gordon on Caleb a few where they have Aaron Gordon just hedging down and saying, if Jimmy gets to the basket, Aaron Gordon's going to send over for a double on Jimmy around the rim. That's going to be their, their way of protecting the rim in a way. Uh, Caleb Martin's going to have the same shots. And I'll tell you what, I feel comfortable as everybody feels comfortable with him taking those shots and making those reads because I, I, I just haven't seen a role player react and make decisions in a long time. Like Caleb Martin, I'm like he's just Brady. so decisive. I haven't really seen it since Jimmy on the bulls or Kawhi on the, on the Spurs. Like, mm. I don't know if that's hyperbolistic or not, but it's just, mm. 
maybe hmm. a little bit. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm deep in the sauce. I don't know. I bro, there were there were points in Game Seven which shocked me. This man where, is getting turnarounds. No, no, no. Beyond the Kobe shots, let's just ignore the Kobe shots for I'm a second. Like, let's, what? Let's, let's just talk about gravity. There were times in Game Seven that Caleb and Duncan were on the same side of the court running an action, and two guys went with Caleb and left Duncan alone. Like, that is a level of respect that Caleb Martin has never seen before. So, yeah, it's going to be super interesting. Is Denver going to follow suit what Boston did, or are they going to roll the dice and see if Caleb can do it again? And by the way, they were running those actions you're mentioning. It's usually Caleb setting a pin down for Duncan. They got to a point in the Boston series where Duncan was setting pin downs for Caleb. And then that's what was opening up the Duncan back cuts. And that was what was opening up Caleb kind of reacting. Uh, and as much, by the way, the other thing, important thing about this series, I think, is we talk about Denver and, and his pass, their passing ability and their movement. It's almost like the battle of the motion offense. Who can be more comfortable in their motion offense and their movement in general? Uh, and as much as we talk about Denver's cutting and you have to figure that stuff out. Denver has to figure out Miami's cutting because they're in those matchups. And to your point earlier, man, does I've, I've never seen regular season film not matter to this extent. Like I look, not only it's was so Jimmy, useless, Brady, Jimmy cooking DeAndre Jordan. I'm watching Bones Highland cook Miami. Uh, I'm watching a three man, an eight man rotation in the regular season of a three man bench group that you mentioned with Boye Highsmith <laughs> and Orlando Robinson. I'm like, okay, this none of this matters. Land, the Lando minutes, bro. <laughs> but I, I, by the way, when I when I was watching, I saw Orlando Robinson throw a sick post hook at Jokic. I was like, okay, Bam's gonna have some opportunities, bro. You know, is it bad that I was watching that that film and a part of me is like, man, I wish I had Orlando. You know, it's a body. <laughs> that is bad. I and I mean, I I just want to mention as well the fact that we've gone this far and I've not mentioned Bam. Too I was much, about I think to pivot to Bam because we got to talk about. I was going to say, because I, I honestly think he's – this is his biggest opportunity in a series, I think, presented to him. Like, I think he has a real opportunity to take over a series. Unlike Boston, where Miami seemed hell-bent on running offense from the mid-post to as Bam mm -hmm. as a scorer, I, I, in the regular season against Denver, they had Bam on the wing against Jokic because you want Jokic to, quote-unquote, attempt to pressure the pass, and you can stretch him out. And for us not – He's not a. He, I always compare him to Dirk on defense. I think he's like a very neutral defender. I think he does his job. He keeps up pretty well. He he eats a lot of space, which I think is important. Uh, it's a good system. Yeah, as a big man. But I think what Miami does is they make Bam a playmaker, similar to how the Warriors do with Draymond Green. So you stretch this guy out because he has to pressure the pass, and they'll run a Duncan Jimmy kind of rub action on the, on the, on the other corner and Bam can hit those shots. Or like we said, kind of, they come for a handoff off the, off the strong side corner. All of a sudden that corner is empty and now you can get Bam slipping into space and beating him. So I think Bam is huge this series and that perform. I, I hope that he got all of those missed layups out of his system because he has to be a finisher I think the jump shot's going to be critical because I do mm -hmm. think the counter to Bam kind of beating Jokic is they're going to be like, okay, well, we're going to sink Jokic a little bit deeper if Jimmy's yep. in the pick and roll, and we're going to let Jimmy be a pull-up three-point shooter. And Bam, you have to prove to us that you can pop and like on that short roll and hit that jumper and make that pass. Mm -hmm. And he did that in the regular season games, to your point. Like, it, yeah, as much as I say stuff good. didn't matter – that was the stuff he was doing. Like, and, and that's why I think uh, I mentioned the term four on three. 
the four on threes for Bam is going to be the tell of the entire series for me. Like if Bam can make the plays, not as I'm not even saying as a scorer because yeah, those are going to be important, and yeah, he's going to have to hit those jumpers eventually, and that's what's going to open everything up. But he cannot turn the ball over. He has to make quick decisions. Uh, the stuff that that Denver likes to do and pull away from weak side, he has to be able to make those passes, which I trust that ability. But it's just about the decision making thing because obviously on this stage. Uh, at this point in the season, four and threes is it sounds like you have an advantage, but those are like opportunities that are not easy, especially as a big man. Like we take it, this is literally two big men. They're of the best at that ability of just kind of putting a guy on a short roll and saying, telling your five to just go make those playmaking plays. Like, yeah, that's 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 a luxury, but they're going to need it. They're going to need it. They're going to need him to take advantage in the mid range. To your point, they're going to need those elbow kind of jumpers and those little those type of shots. And you mentioned Duncan. I think it's so funny how how we've come full circle on this. The fact of we talked about the Duncan ban. I've never left start. Brady. <laughs> we we talked about it, and then we say never, it me hurt. and Alf never left. It hurt Bam all of a sudden. That now because Bam was only looking for the handoff, and then now we've come full circle where Duncan kind of takes time off. Bam figures out his offensive game more and finds a little bit more aggression, finds the jumper, and we've come back, and it's like they've never left, except. The only difference is they've added more to their bag because it's not a handoff pairing. It's just a two-man game. They know when this when he's kind of shading over to kind of top lock, back cut. It's a layup. Have we seen this many Duncan Robinson layups? And by the way, I feel like every time I see him doing a layup, it's a left-hand layup. Like, I feel like he's just showing off. Like, he's just showing that he has a bag now and that they Dude, can go to different things. He's beating dudes off the dribble. Yes, when he threw the, I don't even remember what game it was, but it was one of the home games that I was at, where I think it might have been game three, where he did like the Jimmy shimmy move, where he just kind of double clutched yep. it. I could not believe that. Might, that was his best move I've ever seen him make. Like that when he's adding that stuff in. Uh, but look, they're going to need that two man game in this series. They're going to need if if Duncan can hit some threes early in the series, and obviously that's an obvious statement to make. And now you're forcing, once again, Jokic to move around in the pick and roll or come higher up to the screen or lower or whatever. If you can move him around and manipulate him, it's still, no matter if it's Jimmy Duncan, no matter what, it comes back to Bam. It comes back to Bam after the, the pocket pass to make plays. And if he can do it, it opens up their entire offense. So that's kind of uh, why I think there's so much on his shoulders right now. I mean, I love that you guys think that he's going to, you know, be a huge part of the series because so much of the rhetoric that I've seen on Twitter today is that, you know, oh, Jokic is going to punk him all series long. And, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how Bam became such a punching bag, I guess, because, you know, the, the value the fan base that he does brings. It. No, no, no. Right. And I'm talking about the fan base. Okay. Okay. But, but I mean, like, I feel like he's not for the level of player that he is, he's really not respected like to the degree that he should be, you know, like, and I understand that a ton of his value comes from things that whatever aren't sexy. Maybe don't show up in the box score, but like the dude, like, like that first half in game seven, like just to go back to it one last time, that first half only goes that way because of Bam's unbelievable defensive effort. Like the amount of the amount of those misses around the rim that he influenced in that first half and really just stalled the Celtics offense. Like he is a huge part of what the Heat do. And it's just wild to me that even still in the NBA finals, he gets no respect. None. And what, second finals in three years? Four years? Four and, years. And really the first finals. Yeah. And I and I think Brady, I, I don't know if you've talked to him about this or have heard him say anything, but 
really his first finals, he didn't get to be an active participant. He got yeah. hurt. He went down. He came back late in the series, was not himself. He had a big second half in game six, but that series and game was over. Jimmy was 100% on empty. They just, yeah. Goran just couldn't, they didn't have enough. This is kind of like his actual finals debut in a way where he's like, okay, I get a full final series to make an impact. It's funny because Tyler's probably going to come join. I want to, okay, so I want to finish this oh, spam conversation, yeah. get to Tyler. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you've if you've talked to him about that or heard anything. No, I haven't, and it's an interesting point because it, it is this is essentially he's had big Easter Conference Finals too, he, like many big Easter Conference Finals, which is why the 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 whole thing is funny to me. The like, trilogy. and I'm you can be critical about him, but like it feels like if you're critical about him, it gets taken to another degree. Like there were points in that game seven, I did not think he he played a very bad offensive game, like for pockets of that game seven this, this, yesterday, he just did. You have to be able to take advantage of certain switches. Uh, and then if you kind of get – they wanted to, him to play into the post, he started playing into the post, and then now he's missing little bunnies and he's missing little hooks, and it hurts you. And if you do that, uh, it's a problem. So you you can mention that while also mentioning the stuff that he's literally a walking defensive coverage. You could put him out there. He's sitting there. You mentioned the soft switching. He played drop, which he, he's probably going to do some in this series. He's played in zone. He's played everything down the line where it's like – you can be critical about the stuff he's done offensively, which now when there's an opening like this in this final series, there's probably more of an opening to be critical if, if he doesn't show up in that way, which is probably setting him up. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I've just i seen him do the defensive stuff too often to just go overboard Christian, the way that I've seen I, so many times. You know, I, I, re I recalled last night watching Bam struggle on offense but doing everything on defense. Chris Bosh scored zero points in a Game 7 in the finals. And... Everybody in that locker room said CB fell on the sword on the grenade. I think it was I think I think it was Battier that said CB fell in the grenade for us. And they mm -hmm. you know like sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes you use everything you have on defense and you do just enough on offense to get your team over the hump. Obviously this is not this is this is quite the there was there was no real hump in game seven. It was pretty wire to wire. Uh, at least from from when they took their first lead on, but yeah, man, I, that was the first image I thought of was Chris Bosh in that game seven scoring zero points. I I wish more people, especially Heat fans, would appreciate defense. What, they should. What what, is, what has Pat it's Riley said for decades? Like defense is what wins championships, and I get it. You know, we're in a different NBA. You know, scoring is at a premium. They don't give a Alonzo about built offensive this franchise fouls. With Riley, that you is know, defense. Th the league is tailored around all these offensive, you know, stars. But, dude, at the end of the day, Denver and the Heat are both great defensive teams, and that still really matters in this league. And so that's Denver why great. I would call Denver. I mean, a good I, playoff defense. I think they're they've been a competitive playoff defense. Rohan like, is in my text telling me, oh, Denver's a much better defense than you're giving them credit for. So I guess I guess Rohan and you agree. I, I thought they played really – like the Lakers had a few stretches in that series where they were hitting shots. I just have they still didn't respect. even give them an inch. I have <laughs> like, respect for the Lakers. I mean, yeah, like at the end of the day, Personally. they were a very weak Eastern – or, you know, Western Conference finalists. But, Not I mean, at the end of the day, they have so much length and size – uh, I mean, the Heat have shown, you know, through the last few years that they can absolutely handle teams that have length and size, you know, 
through their own special, you know, especially with Jimmy with just brute force. But uh, the Jimmy AG matchup, I'm super interested, man, because AG's a strong guy. Like Jimmy relies on overpowering defenders more often than not. And AG is, I mean, he, he looks like a big guy. I'm really curious to see if Jimmy is still able to, you know, in, inflict the same level of physicality that he has been in, in some of these earlier series. Last thing, because we got to get to Hero, just want to mention quickly the gay bam pick and roll, which I think is also going to be really important this series. Um, I think you saw how much it mattered against Boston. I think that, that Gabe is very good at navigating those tighter spaces, and I think that Gabe is a guy that finds those creases to get downhill, a very good pull-up shooter. And I think I think Jokic is going to struggle with Gabe Vincent. You know, I think Kyle Lowry is another guy that we haven't talked about on offense, but I think picking up the pace against Denver is going to be critical as well. I think you want to run. I know that that team likes to play fast, but make them run on defense, make them expand energy. And Kyle is a, is a head up point guard who wants to run. I think the ability to shoot off the catch and off the handoff is going to be huge for both guards. I think the playmaking that they both give the pick and roll synergy with bam, the, the kind of bam as a lot there. I, I think those two guys, I don't think people are talking about them, Brady, as kind of impactful guys this series, but I just think that this is actually a series where I think they can get kind of comfortable on offense. Yeah, and if you were to ask me who my X Factor is in the series right now, I think it's Gabe Vincent. I agree. Uh, I just think there's the factor of what we saw from Jalen Brunson still in my mind defensively, that they're going to need him to pick up at times and bother Jamal Murray. But even more so, I think offensively he's going to be really need to be utilized. I just think the the you mentioned it, the pull up shooting. Uh, I know we're going to get into Tyler next, but we don't know what Tyler is going to look like or if he like what is what is Tyler going to be. You still need a pull up shooter guard in this series. You just need him as somebody that's going to be able to run the offense and do that type of stuff. Uh, and if Jamal Murray is the one that's guarding Gabe mostly, he's the one that's going to be chasing around those screens. Gabe is going to have comfortable mid range pull ups. Like it's it's going to be comfortable. And the way he's manipulate, he was manipulating stuff around the rim in that Boston series, like he was finding just certain gaps that I didn't understand how he was finding them. If he can do that against Boston, he's going to do it against Denver. He's going to find different gaps in that pick and roll to find just different ways to score around the rim. Uh, and then obviously I'm going to come back to with every single player or guard that we talk about. Yes. Their pocket passing is going to be crucial in this series because that's what opens up Bam and the rest of the offense. So they're going to need that element. Uh but I'm still just going to continually talk about the fact that they need the pull-up shooting uh, from anybody right now <laughs> heading into this series, which we've said every series was going to be a problem, and it never ends up being a problem All for right. some I reason, which is just Tyler, hilarious. Because um, I know we're, we're running on time here. Uh, Chris Haynes reported last night, uh, not fake Ira, which Ira Winderman had to get Tyler on record on his Twitter account to say, I'm not playing tonight, which was one of the funniest <laughs> moments of the season. I can't, Brady, you know Ira. Uh, we all love Ira. I can't imagine Ira walking up to Tyler, explaining what's happening. Oh, also, did you see how close he had the camera to yeah, his face? I saw, his, I I can saw see his to Tyler's sounds. eyes. Like, <laughs> They're beautiful. He has yeah. very nice eyes. Just very, very pretty guy. But Ira just sticking a phone in his face and Tyler, <laughs> I am not playing today. Like, <laughs> I want to know what that conversation looked like. Before I want to know game. so bad. <laughs> I, I just imagine Ira, Tyler, you know that, that, that there's a fake me that reported that you're not playing. You know, can, can you get, can we get a quick statement? 
Oh, Gianni's limited fake uh, Ira Winderman is pretty solid. I love Ira. I've always said Ira's one of the hardest working people in this fucking industry. Brady, you know, in a scrum, it's Ira is like Ira's James Harden in isolation. Ira's like... Have you seen box out numbers? Like, I don't know if you've seen those. (laughs) Dude, Barry. No, Barry's Barry's like the smallest guy on the court that gets every offensive rebound. He, like, will sneak in through the scrum, and it's like, how did Barry get in front of everybody? A master. I'm the guy that just gets back on defense. I'm just standing in the back. You're tall, though. You have, have like, an advantage. You have a tall, projective voice. You know, Barry has to, like, you know, he's he's a pro. But, um, but Tyler Hero, uh, you know, Probably might, maybe, is trying to get ready for game three. First home game in the series for Miami. Brady, let's just assume that he's going to play some sort of limited role in the series. I think he's important for every reason that we said Gabe Vincent's important, except mm-hmm. times 10, because he is such a, a much better pick-and-roll shooter off the dribble, a handler, a passer. He's just a very good basketball player who it's ridiculous to say they don't miss Tyler hero. If you saw them for any stretch of offense where they couldn't score against Boston, you would think, man, if they only they had Tyler hero to make a play here. Um, I think he's huge for them. And I actually think that if he comes back with like a minutes restriction, it kind of helps because then, you know, you, you don't have to force him to play too much. You give yourself a couple minutes of offense and you can play some of your bigger lineups, like with max or whatever. For sure. I, I think the whole – there was some talk, obviously, before, uh, specifically around the time when they went up 3-0 about, like, not playing Tyler, like, even if he was to come back. And I just didn't understand any of that, especially in the, in the in this point of the playoffs where you need the pull-up shooting that we're talking about. Like, yeah, you're getting it from other guys, but who's to say that it's going to just fully continue to this extent? Like, there's a, you have a talent that's sitting there that can be utilized. Now, there's certain questions that I have. There's the question about the hand, obviously, of the, the obvious ones of how it will look, um, how the shot will look, how the ball handling will look, like how game speed, like all that type of stuff that we're not worried about kind of being in the right game shape because obviously this is a hand injury, so you're not worried well, about no, that type I, of I stuff. Well, no, I heard that you can't but you have to run see how... for a while when you first get the cast because you don't want to. So I, I actually that, I think game shape could be a thing too. It's true, but I think they find alternatives. Like there's – the bikes and all that type of stuff that they can still get in shape somehow without running, I guess. But yeah, I guess there's, there's still getting back into a rhythm. Uh, But either way, there's, there's that element. And the other element is the defensive side of things where are they going to be willing to play? Well, they obviously have to be willing to play it, but the two shooters, like the, the Tyler Duncan lineups, the Tyler Max lineups, those are the things that they stayed away from. We haven't seen a Tyler Max Duncan. Uh, It is, but it's, I feel like it's less scary than a Boston. So there's a balance, I feel like, because there's not like there's two wings that are hunting for an isolation every play and you have to just be worried about it every time. This is a team that is based on kind of off-ball actions and a lot of stuff with, yeah, Jamal Murray, I guess, can hunt him. But, like, there's other stuff they could peel in, I feel like. I'm not overly worried about that, to be honest. Uh, But either way, they need his shooting. And if he's coming back in a game three, and let's get away from schematics for a second, put Tyler Hero in a game three, Entering from the scores table with the crowd going, his I'm just all I'll say is his first shots going in. That's all I'll say because (laughs) he he is a performer to the crowd. Like he's going to be amped up in that way. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's gonna he's gonna be needed in that way. And and I'm not expecting a ton from him. And I don't think honestly, it sounds wild to say, I don't think they're asking or need a lot from him. They just need him to play a specific role. They need him to kind of just 
maybe take away some of Gabe's reps, some of Kyle's reps, just kind of like don't it doesn't have some to be Max's, so high. Max is having like Gabe, a poor shooting Max night. Hey, can you eat some can you eat five of Max's minutes? You know, yeah. give him a little bit of rest, give us some variance. And if they're and I mentioned before the two on the ball stuff that they're gonna send to Duncan and Max, like there probably becomes a point in the series where that's not like as effective like there's there's always so much handoffs and two on the ball stuff that you can run you're going to need a guy to create out of that and tyler's a guy to create out of that so mm-hmm. late in the series after you kind of you throw your base stuff in games one and two when tyler's not there you can mix some of this stuff in so uh he can open things up look at even we talked about the way that you could throw stuff at jimmy and bam in that in that boston series the way that you can kind of just yeah. flatten them out you can't do that when you have a Tyler Hero. So, like, as much as everybody wanted to talk about Tyler Hero in, in the past and things they threw at him, it opened up guys like Jimmy for easier opportunities. So even if Tyler's not having a major series, he can be effective just by having the gravity Absolutely. that Christian, we were talking about before. on Tyler before we, uh, we get out of here? Uh, I mean, really the only thing is um, – I, I mean, Brady said it great. He absolutely is a contributor. You know, I think the hard thing that – will be, you know, on Spo to really iron out is, you know, I think the Heat definitely did find something this postseason. Without Tyler, they've really only had one defensive liability on the court at any time. And sure, maybe there's been a handful of like, you know, Duncan Max minutes that we've gone through, but for the most part, maximum one weakness. So I would say outside of Duncan and Max, you know, everybody that's playing right now is a solid defender. So if if you can slot him in with guys like Gabe or Kyle and then the trio of Caleb, Jimmy, Bam, like I don't think there's a huge downside to giving him a little run and seeing what he's got, well, you know? Highsmith and, as well. You can play him with Highsmith. Who... Correct, exactly. And that's my point is that he – he can be the offensive facilitator that the team needs, the pull-up shooter that the team will need, especially if they start packing the paint. You know, if Jimmy's getting to the rim and they're starting to overcorrect a little bit, you're going to have to hit mid-range jumpers in order to keep them honest, you know? And so let him get a little run coming off the bench. I mean, I don't know if I would go as far as to start him again. I think the team is in too much of a groove for that. But I think he's absolutely going to warrant minutes. And especially if the Nuggets aren't really expecting it, you know, so much of this at this point is about scouting, about preparation, and being able to throw somebody that they're not expecting, like a Haywood Highsmith out of nowhere in Game 5 and Game 7, that that could pay a tangible dividend for this team and what will be most likely a tight series. Did you guys see that tweet that that one guy's like, man, who the fuck is Haywood Highsmith? I'm sick of heat culture. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. Did you see that video of uh, the guy, the Celtics fan interviewing all the Celtics people after the game? (laughs) And what was the, the, the Caleb Martin comment killed me. He's like, who is Caleb Martin? He's killing us. (laughs) Brady, what did you have? I thought you were gonna say something. I was gonna mention that. It, it, by the way, with the Tyler conversation as well, we were talking about Kevin Love and Zeller before. I don't think you could have the Zeller or Love conversation if Tyler's playing. Like if he's in the rotation, yeah. I spits here full on backup five, and Love and Zeller I agree. are DNP. I I agree. As we get deeper into the playoffs, it's harder to to even sacrifice mm-hmm. a couple minutes, gentlemen. I am so excited to cover this series, Brady. I'm so happy that you finally came on and talk hoops with you. Um, I, truly a pleasure. And and it's just, man, watching high stakes basketball where every second, every, it's a heightened sense of existence. Everything matters 
to like the nth degree. And it's just so fucking fun. Brady, I want to leave you on a treat. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you know, but we're celebrating 10 years of Miami Heat beat this year. And uh, there is a very famous quote from somebody that used to be on Heat beat that you may recognize. And I think it's a perfect sound to send us off about the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> what a Denver Nuggets basketball player is. And let's see if everyone knows what that is compared to what a Miami Heat basketball player is when everyone knows what that definition is. It's facts. I mean, what it's he facts. said it. I can't, I can't deny it. Gianni, what was the original context of that quote? Uh, Leif was talking to a guest, and Leif said, look me in my face, dog. Look me in my face and tell me what a Denver Nuggets player is. Because uh, <laughs> Leif was spouting about culture. Let's hear that one more time. Send me what a Denver Nuggets basketball player is. And let's see if everyone knows what that is compared to what a Miami Heat basketball player is when everyone knows what that definition is. What a legend. Ten years of Miami Heat beat. The definition is champion. Definition is champion. Everybody, (laughs) get ready for the NBA Finals. Get ready for the Stanley Cup, the Pan Wagon, the Panthers. Although that guy on the Panthers said he likes the Celtics, which is a little no-no. But no, he liked Tatum because he was a childhood friend. Let's not do this. Correction, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, Okay, well, shout out, shout out to the Panthers. Shout out to the Marlins, who I think are also over five hundred. Uh, but, you know, listen, South Florida, the Canes, the Owls. Brady, are you an Owl? No. Oh, thank God, because I'm from FIU, so that whole run drove <laughs> me fucking crazy. I'm like, I hate the Owls. I'm not cheering for them. Fuck them. Uh, I'm a Golden <laughs> Panther for life. Um, everybody, remember to check out our game day coverage. Pre-game in 30 minutes before every game. Frankie, Coach Lou, and I take you before, preview everything. We've been doing a lot of fun stuff with film on the pregame show, so join us there. And, of course, Hangover Time. It's farewell season. Hangover Time is getting sent off in the NBA Finals. Listen, we need to root for championship Pepas, Brass. Lord knows what he'll plan, and you know that Alpha's going to bring it every single night with Tiff, Bon, Moose, everybody, the whole crew. Everybody, thank you for another great playoff season of coverage, and hopefully we get, we get at least five or six more of these and a heat championship. Brady, again, thank you so much. You have anything you want to plug on your way out? Anything you've written? Any podcasts that you have coming out for for five reasons? Uh, I mean, Brady Yawk three hundred five on Twitter. Five on the floor. I think we're about to record right after this, so we'll have a new five on the floor out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Appreciate you having me on. Shout out to you. Shout out to Ethan, who I know is going to Denver right now. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> on tomorrow. We're having TJ McBride on to preview the Denver Nuggets uh, offense and Miami's defense against them. So we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.